0: I want to make sure Seth didn't go out with them. We're an age group. Huh? I just want to make sure Seth didn't go out with them. I thought he was going to try to go to Children's Church. <laughs> wow, what a blessing to be in this place this morning. Thank you for being here. Amen. Turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, we'll finish up chapter 10 this morning and uh, be ready to go in next Sunday to the faith chapter, chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 10, uh, remember this is a sermon, and uh, the Hebrews are are contemplating going back. They've been to the new covenant, they've accepted Christ, they've been saved, now they are thinking about going back. And... Uh, the author is very wise here. He kind of blisters them pretty good, calling to remembrance in verses 20, uh, 32 through 38. And then he pulls a pastoral trick on them that every pastor kind of does. Uh, he, he's, he's giving them the, the right act. And then he kind of says, but, but I know all of y'all in here, that doesn't apply to. I know all of y'all, uh, it's just going to be great. Uh, he said in verse 39, we're not of them who draw back. It would be like me preaching a, a, a sermon on alcohol. Yeah. And, uh, of course, you know, as a as a pastor, I, I don't agree with alcohol. I, I, you say, well, you can't prove that in the Bible. No, I, I can just prove that it becomes a strong drink. It's a mocker, and it ends up making you uh, do things you didn't think you could do, and it um, ends up. Much time in tragedy when you've gone into these homes like we've gone into here And there are no shoes on the kids feet because there's plenty of liquor in the refrigerator uh, You know and so I just blast everything on alcohol and then I close it out by saying but uh, but I know y'all are not drinking (laughs) That's kind of what they did here (laughs) You know kind of like that so let's look at it beginning in verse 32 if you would Hebrews 10 verse 32 and we got off to a rocky start but it's going to get better alright stand with me please in honor of God's holy inspired inerrant all sufficient word the Bible says but called to remembrance the former days in which after ye were illuminated ye endured a great fight of afflictions partly whilst ye were made a gazing stock both by reproaches and afflictions and partly whilst you became companions of them that were so used. For ye had compassion on me, uh, of me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward, for ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back under perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Father, thank you this morning how we've been tremendously blessed. Your Holy Spirit has had control, and we praise you for that. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to keep... Uh, Satan to keep the demons of hell To keep all of our things That are going through our mind Of what we need to be doing And what we ought to be doing And what we're going to be doing And may we just spend a little time Nestled up close to you Lord would you just be real In this place this morning Those that need to be saved God may today Today be their day of salvation For others Lord who may have slipped By the wayside God would you bring them home Bring them on home. Maybe there are those in this place today who need to make this their home. Lord, whatever needs to happen, we're we're yours. We ask you to have your way. In Jesus' precious holy name, we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The author of Hebrews has tried to reiterate all through this chapter that it is possible to be numbered among the saints and still not be saved. It is possible to profess uh, a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and yet really not have that faith in your life. It's a lot of choices involved. We live in a world of choices. Henry Ford wrote this in the, uh, uh, with the Model T. He said, you can have the Model T in any color you want as long as it's black. <laughs> That's it. There's no other color but a black Model T. When I was a kid, we got one television station, KTRE, Channel 9 out of Lufkin, and we had a, a pipe wrench out there on the TV antenna because the wind would blow it around some, and you'd come and take that pipe wrench and turn that around a little bit, you know. And you, you would go. We had everything. It was ABC, NBC, CBS, everything KTRE was. And you would go from Hee Haw on Saturday night to the l- luxury of Lawrence Welk. To add it into, I mean, it was just all wonderful. Once upon a time, some of you remember when you bought ice cream, there was chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry. That's it. Now, you could buy a Neapolitan, which was all three of them together. Now, there are hundreds of kinds of ice cream. Lots of choices of ice cream. And so when you come to religion and what God says here. We find a lot of people saying, well, religion is religion. You ever heard that? Hey, it doesn't matter. We're all going to the same place. Religion is religion. Well, now, let me tell you something. The Jews are not saying religion is religion. They're saying there's only one religion. The Hindus are not saying religion is religion. They're saying there's only one religion. (laughs) The Muslims are not saying religion is religion. They're saying, you know who's saying religion is religion? Backslidden or lost Christians who once were serving God, but it became illogical. They begin to think too much. They they got educated beyond their knowledge. They got too smart for their own britches. And they begin to say, "This, this don't make sense. And so they're saying religion is religion. Well, religion is not religion. There is a way that seemeth right unto man, and the end thereof is destruction. It's what the Word of God says. It's not just any religion is religion. And we've got a lot of choices. Uh, the problem is that people view those choices like selecting ice cream. I'll have this, 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 or this. Now, here's a question that we got to face today: how is that choice made? How do you make that? How do you know I'm telling you the truth? I mean, here's the deal. Let's just be honest here. Who am I? I'm just some country hick. How do you know I'm telling you the truth? You say, well, you're preaching out of the Word of God. Well, how do you know this is really the Word of God? You know, you got some choices to make. And those choices are very important in your whole future. Bible promises, said Spurgeon, are checks drawn on heaven's bank that we endorse with faith the only problem with those checks sometimes God post dates them you ever had a post dated check somebody said now here's your check you're going to get this but don't cash it until two weeks from now God says here's heaven you're going to get this but it's post dated just like Brenda said a while ago we all got an expiration date but I'm telling you it's post dated we don't know what that date's going to be I don't know when that date's going to be, uh, but I'm going to tell you something. God knows when that date's going to be. Uh, so we, we've got we, we've got some challenges to figure out what kind of faith we're going to have, and what are the choices. And, and in verse 35, he talks about the great reward receiving what was promised and in verse 36 that you may receive what was promised so what are what are the choices how do we base our choices how do we get to that place number one is this there's got to be a confidence a confidence or an assurance of the past faithfulness of god if you're going to choose god this morning you're going to choose salvation through the blood of the cross there's got to be some time when you are confident That God did what he said he did, and he is who he says he is. There's got to be a confidence of that on the faithfulness of God. In verse 35, therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. And that confidence can be translated in the Greek as throw away your boldness. That's one of the words of the Bible that's used over and over again, the boldness, the confidence of God. It's talking about having courage in the face of adversity. These Hebrew Christians were exhorted to remember the former days. Now, the days of persecution, they were stripped of their possessions, but they found out God was sufficient in all of it. Their greatest possession was their wealth in Christ. And I want to tell you something this morning. This world may take every dime you've got. This world may make you look like a blithering idiot. This world may put you and beat you down, but this world can never take away what the Lord Jesus Christ has given to you. It is eternal. It is forever. You wasn't seeking him. He came seeking you. What you need to do this morning to begin with is think that you've got one of these scales that are are weighing like that. And you just put over here on this side of that scale what God has done for you and how faithful he's been to you. And then on this side of this scale, you put how the world has has been to you, how good the world's been to you, and how faithful they've been to you, and the sin and the iniquity and all that the world has to offer, and you're going to find that scale is going to flop just like this. Now, you go ahead, and let's just take everything that God's given us off of that scale. We take it all off, the goodness of God, forget about it. And let's just put salvation on it it's still going to flop like this. The fact that you've been saved by the blood of Christ is worth more than riches could ever give you. And so he's saying here, we, we sing a song. I, I heard it the first time I shared with him this morning. Randall and, and uh, 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 Linda were singing uh, the, the uh, special course in it. it says, we will remember. And... and We'll remember the works of your hands. And and he goes on to list what we remember. He's the creator. He's our life sustainer. He's our deliverer, our comfort, our joy. Throughout the ages, you've been our shelter in the peace in the midst of the storm. Signs and wonders, you've shown your power. With precious blood, you showed us your grace. You've been our helper, our liberator, the giver of life. Uh, With no end When we walk through life's darkest valleys We'll look back at all you've done And we'll shout Our God is good And he is the faithful one So what do we remember Well one of the verses of this song The one I remember Randall and Linda singing Is this I still remember the day you saved me The day I heard you call out my name You said you loved me And would never leave me and I've never been the same. Wow. We need to remember our salvation. You need to stop this morning where you are right now and remember how the Lord Jesus Christ saved you. You say, Well, I'm not sure about that. Then could I just exhort you? You ought to be the first one down the aisle. And if you can't wait that long, just come on right now. Somebody meets meet you down here and lead you to the Lord, and you can be saved right now, lest you die of a heart attack before the invitation comes. I'm just telling you, if you're not saved, you, ought to, you need to be saved today. If you are saved, stop and remember what God saved you from. I, I was saved from a drug problem. Uh, my parents drug me to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. <laughs> We went to WMU, we went to RAs, we went to Sunbeams, we went every time the door of the church was open. Some of you can't say that though. Some of you say, I, I hadn't been in church. I have a cradle roll certificate in my office. On October the 8th, 1953, I was enrolled in First Baptist Church, Corrigan. I mean, I've been in church all my life. But I want to tell you, it takes the same blood to save somebody somebody's been all their life in church, it does somebody who ain't never been in church. It takes the same death of Christ on the cross. And so some of you may have been 30 years old, 40 years old. Some of you may have just been saved. And you've gone through life and you've gone through tribulations. You've gone through trials. And boy, when I talk about being saved, it's fresh enough on your mind where you say, Woo, I remember what I was. I remember what happened. Somebody said, that I don't know who said it, but it said, If you never get over getting saved, You'll never live like you've never been saved. I'll say that again because you didn't get that. I said, let me back it up and do it backwards. You'll never live like you've never been saved if you never get over getting saved. I'm telling you, the reason we backslide, the reason we get away from God, the reason the joy is gone is because we've gotten over that day when Jesus called us by name and saved our souls. So, we got to remember our salvation. Then you got to remember how he has sustained us. I, I, I would not preach this sermon like the author of Hebrews preached it. I love you all, and I would tell you to remember the good times. R- remember your salvation, but remember the good times. Some of you all have been here long enough when you remember the old auditorium, you couldn't even read your name. Uh, it was so dark in this place. Sometimes it's like that now, but we got lights. You couldn't even read your name. You couldn't read the Bible. I'm not lying. Some of you know I'm telling the truth. Those were the good days. You remember when we first knocked out the first wall back here? People said, oh, we don't need to walk out that wall. What are we knocking out that wall for? Well, we're planning on growing. Oh, we ain't growing in 20 years. Why are we planning on growing now? And then we knocked out the second wall. Mm. And then it really hit. You know those were the good days. God was blessing and then you you you, you, some of you don't know the history here you need to get in brother Casey's class he'll show you some of that history we've got we're fixing to build the third building out here that's a cage it's called a cage it's a gymnasium we've already built two of them we built the first one and said this is just dead and it was the most used building we had on the grounds but we had to wall it up and meet church in there and then we built the second one that was a cage and then we had to wall it up and put Sunday school in there. Now we're going for the third one. I don't know what it's going to be in the end. It's going to start out being a case. I would preach about how good God is. Remember how good God is. That's not what he does. He said, remember God in the tough times. And he starts listing the tough times here. They've taken their property away. If, you don't, if you're not going to renounce Jesus, you don't get to own property. If you don't renounce Jesus, you don't get to have any cattle or oxen. If you don't renounce uh, renounce Jesus, you can't live inside the city. See, And, and what they're doing, the Bible says they are joyfully, they're joyfully. 34, for ye had compassion on me and my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods. It'd be like... The, the world coming in today and saying, look, if you're not going to renounce Jesus, you can't own property anymore in America. And they'd say, well, give us an hour to get everything out of the house. Here it is. If, if you're not going to renounce Jesus, you can't own a car. You can't get it inspected. You, go, you do not own any car. We're going to repossess it. Well, the keys are in it. Just come on and get it. If you don't renounce Jesus, you're not going to even be able to be a citizen of the United States. Well, you know, it was good while it lasted. How did they come up with that idea that they joyfully gave up everything they had? I'll tell you how. Because the in-between, in-between their time here on this earth... They knew of a promise in heaven that was theirs. And they may have been a pauper here on this earth and may not not have had a dime to their name, but bless God, they knew where they were going. They were going to be millionaires. Man, they'd done gone down in the baptistry a pauper and come up a millionaire. They said, Jesus is more important than us. Have you been to that place? Dr. John Phillips, a commentator, said, it's not when things are going good. That defines our faith It's when things are not going good That's what defines our faith And all through our lives We need to remember our salvation Remember But we also need to remember That God has sustained us Boy, when that doctor came out With bad news That's when the Lord was there When the highway patrolman Has knocked on our door In the middle of the night and every thought going in your mind, and yet God was there. When the black wreath of death has been placed upon your front door, wow, it it makes a big difference that God comes in and gives you the peace that passeth understanding. When your daughter breaks your heart or your son crushes your spirit, God's the one that is there saying, hey, I'm never going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. When the bills are adding up and they get more and more, God says, I'll supply you these. When the spouse walked out, God walked in. And that's the You know what David David said in in Psalm um, 37, I think? He said, If it had been for you, God, my enemies would have just literally wiped us out. It's God. Lord, you're with us. Remember how He sustained us. Remember how He saved us, and then remember how He has strengthened us. Verse thirty-four: You had compassion on me. He said, "You had uh, uh, took joyful of the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and enduring substance." But he said, don't, don't cast away your confidence. He said, you, you, you've uh, strengthened us when trials came our way. Anybody here never had any trials? If you have, just, just hold on, they're coming. It's not right that some of us get all of them and you didn't get any. <laughs> the trials come. But he said, not only were you uh, subjected to the trials of you, but you showed compassion to the other people. Who's the other people? He's in Hebrews 10, the context of the chapter. You go back to verse 24. He said, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. He's talking about the New Testament church. He's saying that not only do we have our trials But we're a family of God. And when one of you hurt, we hurt. When one of you gets uh, joy, we get joy. We're a family together. We're to exhort one another to love and to do good works. How easily we forget the goodness of God. One of the things that I need to be faithful to the Lord is you. I, I get weak. I get discouraged. i crawl under the bed, but I won't fit under it. I get frustrated. And there are some times when I get on the wrong road, I'll be reading after somebody and all, and I thought, boy, this makes sense. And then I'll put it in total context and thought, no, that don't make any sense. That's stupid. I, I need... When when I'm walking down a wrong road, or when you're walking down a wrong road, you need a friend. You need someone who's part of the family of God to put his arm around you and say, Look, man, you keep going down this road, and I'm, I'm telling you, I love you. I don't want you to end up like that. And do it in love. That's what he's saying. It's so easy to forget. It's so easy. Many times, it's been 1159. And I thought there is no you know I am doomed there is nothing I can do and all of a sudden God would come through and I'd say I've got a pastor friend bless God anytime you tell a good joke or a good story or anything he said wait a minute let me write that down let me write that down we need to write down what God's done for us (laughs) because we forget I'll never forget the night that our first son was born it was in the, after midnight there, Shumper Hospital in Shreveport. And I was in a youth camp up here at Lone Star, and I came there just at the time that Jeremy was coming. Weighed two and a half pounds. And then the doctor came back out and said, uh, We thought everything was all right, but he's, he's got amniotic bands, and we're going to have to do surgery right now. He weighs two and a half pounds. There's no way he's going to live through it. He's not going to be able to take the anesthesia, and uh, I'll never forget what her mother said. I've forgiven her for it, but she said, "Now, now, Charles, we've got some burial plots that are already paid for." I said, "We ain't talking death." But she said, "Well, you heard what the doctor said." I, I said, "I heard what that doctor said, but there's another doctor in the house. I heard what that doctor said." And about two thirty in the morning. I remember coming around that aisle and coming down where five of my men that had driven got up in the middle of the night, drove from Texarkana, put their arms around me, and prayed. I Man, you talk about encouraging. You know, there, there are not any words that's going to express that. And the peace of God, and I want to tell you, the next morning he was still kicking and screaming, and he's still kicking and screaming now. <laughs> when I whip him, he still screams. I would encourage you to start a book of remembrances and just you you know why I would do that is because paper is cheaper than brains (laughs) and when God does something if you will write it down your brain won't have to remember so much and then I would suggest that before you die and leave this place you sit down with your kids and your grandkids and you just tell them how good God's been. You tell them the troubles. See, we don't want our kids to know we've been through anything. You tell them what your troubles were and how God rescued you and brought you up. He said you've got to remember with confidence, with assurance that God is faithful. Second thing, let me hurry. There's got to be an obedience to God's present will. He said in verse 36, "You have need of endurance." Well, why do we have to have endurance? We're already singing victory in Jesus. We're headed toward heaven. We have to have endurance because there's a in between here. And God is saying when people say, "Well, I don't know what the will of God is." everybody thinks then you can just sit and do nothing I'm waiting on God you can't wait on God God's already told you what to do you already know what you ought to be doing if you don't know what the total will of God is then bless God just do the will of God you already know what it is it's your will you be a sower you be a witnesser that's God's will you to pray about that it won't do you any good to pray Lord do you want me to witness or not that's crazy sure he wants you to witness lord do you want me to praise you during the music yeah he wants you to praise him he inhabits the praise of his people when you're waiting on the perfect will of god you continue to do the will of god you know to do right now can you imagine god when you get to heaven saying you remember that thing you prayed for and you prayed for and you prayed for and you prayed for and And i'm saying i want to give it to you i want to give it to you but you're not doing what God called you to do right now, I can't give that to you until you're in his will now. See, you can't just get saved and live any way you want to get saved. Salvation changes you. It illuminates you. And so we've got to be in the will of God. Trust in the Lord and do good is what David said in Psalm 37, 4. Fulfill his promise. Let me give you this last one. I'm through There's got to be patience for God's future work. Dr. Pittman, as Brenda's mentioned earlier too, everybody's got an expiration date. And I'm telling you, there's going to come a date. It's not not guesswork. God already knows what it is. There's going to come a day when we're going to meet him in the clouds. And we're going to be caught up. Now, the only reason I can think of why why he would change that date is if one of these crazy yahoos got the right date. If I was God, I'd wait till tomorrow. (laughs) But I'm not God. (laughs) He's got the date already planned, and it is coming. But what he's saying here is we've got to be patient. We've got to continue in the will of God until that date comes. The writer is using the language here of an athlete. I told him earlier this morning, I told him over at Mason Creek, I couldn't remember the day, I couldn't remember the team. Uh, I remember the Houston Oilers, because that's who we were down in the south with the Oilers and Astros. And I remember what we were doing. We were in Shreveport, we were eating in a Mexican restaurant. It was after a, a church. Uh, and um, uh, we went into the restaurant and the Oilers were up 38 to nothing. And I had a wonderful Mexican meal and came back out, and they got beat 41 to 38. It was in January the 3rd. One of them in in Mason Creek wrote it down on a Sam's thing and said, it was January the 3rd, 1993, 41 to 38 Buffalo Bills. (laughs) You know what that means? It means when you think you're way ahead and you got the score running up, don't give up. Don't slack up, Don't feel sorry for the devil and the other team. You keep going with God, because when you give up, you'll lose the race. These people never gave up because they never got their eyes off what the prize was. That's eternal life. That's forever. That's forever. There, there's no other life like it. Now listen, let me say this, and I'm almost through faith never faith never escapes testing never our faith will be tested but the Word of God says without faith it's impossible to please God so we've got to please God we've got to have faith God's timing is more important than my time he knows what he's doing sometimes it's hard for me to understand I'm not sure that I could even be as, as anywhere near as good as what Brenda just said when, when she said, if I lost a child, I, I didn't ask why. I, I, mm, I don't know what I'd do. I don't know. But I do know this. However low I get, my God is there to pick me up. And he will restore me. And he will take me to that final place in heaven. The year was 1884 and there was a young man from America that was killed in Europe while he was visiting there and middle-aged parents were grieving his death and they uh, they were praying about what to do and so they wanted to do something in memory of him to make a difference to help young people and they decided it would be in the field of education so they got an appointment with the president Charles Eliot of Harvard University they Elliot had never met this couple he had never seen them he saw them for the first day had no idea what they wanted to do they were from appearances they were just nice ordinary people they were not particularly well educated and they sat down at his desk and the mother and the couple began to tell him about the death of their son and they apologized for taking up his valuable time and everything and she said we we want to establish a memorial to his memory something that would help other young men And we feel like education would be the way to do it. And the guy thought, well, you know, uh, you could give a scholarship in his memory. And the mother said, well, we were thinking about something more than that. He said, well, you could have a building built. And she said, well, but before she could say anything, he said, but that building would cost a lot of money. This is 1884, and that building would cost a lot of money. And so, uh, she just kind of figured out, she motioned for her husband. Uh, she said, I got an idea, and then they got up and left. The president, he was kind of perplexed. He, he thought, first of all, they are just coming for a scholarship, and then they were going to maybe do a scholarship, and then they talked about a building. They just got up and left. And he thought, you know, just another couple taking up my time. Tire kickers, what we called them in the used car world around kick the tires never gonna buy nothing the following year President Elliot of Harvard learned that this plain country not particularly well educated couple had contributed 30 million dollars as a memorial to their son this is 1885 the memorial is known as Stanford University and it's in memory of their son Leland Stanford Now, listen, I say all that to just say this. Don't underestimate what God wants to do through you. While you're here in this time, be patient. Continue to do the will of God. Continue to do what God wants you to do because you realize that when you leave here, all of this stuff's going to stay here. You've got a place up there. And I want to tell you, Nobody can do- go to that place except those who come through Jesus Christ. Other religions may say our way is the only way. They can say it all they want to. But based you say, well, why not wait? Why, why? would you be an expert? I, I'm an expert because I've been so down and out and I've been, had so many troubles and trials in life and every one of them I've had, God has always brought me back. He's always, and you can say the same thing. We know it because this is the true, inerrant word of God. Don't you listen to these yahoos who tell you, well, that could be true. It depends on how you interpret that. No, just read the book. Just read the book. It depends on what God says. One good thing about our God is what he says it's what he'll do. Father, we thank you today for the joy again to be in your house of worship. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit that's in this place. I pray right now There are those in this place that I'm speaking to right now that if they were to die before they came back tonight, Lord, they would be eternally separated from you. Today, oh God, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that these altars ought to be filled and people ought to be crying out before you, Lord, I remember the day you saved me. I remember when you sustained me. I remember when you strengthened me. And I want to praise you. And though this world take everything, and though nobody go with me, I've drawn the line in the sand. I've decided to follow Jesus, and I'm not turning back. not going to turn back. Others may need to be a part of this church. Others may need to just come make special decisions. Maybe there's somebody in this place today that you've called to be a missionary or a preacher or a youth director. God, continue to work in the lives of our people in Jesus' name. Would you stand?